0: Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk-takers, the game-changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely.
1: Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So, if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED.
0: I've been living near the Temescal neighborhood in Oakland for a while. And today's story is about one of the buildings on Telegraph Street, where all these new restaurants and shops have opened up. It's pretty big corner building painted blue and there's pictures of people protesting. It says building people power on the outside. I guess I'm not surprised that there's a social justice nonprofit in Oakland because there's a lot of them, but I am surprised that there's one moving into a neighborhood where it's already expensive to live. In all the stories we hear about places being bought and sold in Bay Area cities like Oakland, we don't often hear about people choosing ethics and morals over money.
1: There was a moment where it just didn't look like we were gonna have any other option, and it felt like, oh, this is how gentrification works.
0: Today, we are gonna bring you that story. I'm Devin
2: Kadiyama, welcome to The Bay. Baby World was a family-run business. The owners and the founders, and most of the people you encountered if you walked in there, were the cabellos. Sam Lef is a reporter with KQBD Arts. Aldo and Christina Cabello came to this country from Chile in the 1970s basically as political exiles. Aldo's brother, Winston, had been killed in Pinochet's military coup because Winston was an economist with the previous government.
1: Tens of thousands of Chileans now live in exile rather than under Pinochet. And a death such as Haras is an example of continuing political intimidation by extremists.
2: Aldo and Cristina, uh, you know, fled the country really fearing for their lives. They had to young children at the time. So they were really afraid. Why did they choose to come to Oakland? The Cabellos decided to come to Oakland because they had some family connections here. It was one of few places in the United States where they knew anyone. And when they arrived, they really needed to rebuild their lives. In Chile, they were, you know, middle class, they were professionals, but in Oakland, they had to learn English, they went back to school, and as sort of a hustle or a sideline, they started selling things at the Coliseum flea market.
0: The flea market that we still see when you drive by and you go to it, and it's huge space. It's been there for a long time.
2: That's right. The flea market right off 880, right across from the Coliseum. And so Aldo specialized in, you know, old VCRs, electronics, finding this stuff at yard sales, you know, left on the side of the road, repairing them. And Christina focused on Used baby items, so toys, strollers, that kind of thing. Repairing them, cleaning them, selling them. So this hustle of theirs at the flea market, you know, they were able to save enough to open a small storefront, um, two small storefronts actually, in the Rockridge area. And from there, um, you know, they started selling new items, and the electronic side of it sort of went away, and they focused on the baby side of it. And eventually, they were able to acquire the corner storefront at 4400 Telegraph Avenue, Temescal District. The
0: family moved the business to the corner of 44th and Telegraph Streets in the early 1990s. The building is a pretty big 7,000-square-foot blue corner building. Donya Cabello, the youngest child of Aldo and Christina, lives right across the street from where Baby World was. And she said when the family moved to the neighborhood, it wasn't cute like it is today and it catered to families.
1: When I think about what's going on in the neighborhood, I sit on my front porch and I see cranes in every direction, and there's just development building up in you know, in the form of condos that in months, I'm gonna have hundreds if not thousands of new neighbors.
0: When people talk about how Oakland is gentrifying, they talk about the Temescal neighborhood. Today, it caters to the younger professionals with money. I actually lived near there, and just in the last few years, there have been a lot of new restaurants and stores.
2: Temezcal Alley is where you can get the same haircut as every other guy for $50. 50 and yeah, yeah. they might give you a shot of brandy <laughs> while you're there or something. All these new neighbors and the
0: fact that our society is buying more and more stuff online forced the Cabellos to put the store up for sale in 2017.
2: The Cabellos felt that sort of the community ties that really supported their business kind of got torn apart.
0: I mean, that sounds a lot like the stories that I hear coming out of Oakland, especially the last few years of people being displaced and families being displaced and kind of losing that sense of like people who've been here for a long time, supporting what's been here for a long time.
2: Dania Cabello told me that in her neighborhood, she lives one block from Baby World, that several years ago now, there was a nine month period where 21 of her neighbors were evicted. Oh my God.
0: Dania feels what a lot of us feel right now in the Bay Area, a sense of hopelessness. I think a lot about this. Like what role do I play in either helping or hurting other people's chances of being able to stay and live in the Bay Area? The Cabellos saw selling their building to the right person as an opportunity.
1: There's a lot of factors at play in the community that are really harmful. And so this was an opportunity to do one thing in conversation with many others that need to be done um, in thinking about just physical land.
0: And so 2017, they decided to put the building up for sale. What kinds of offers were they getting at the time?
2: When the Cabellos put... 4400 Telegraph Avenue on the market for sale they got a lot of offers but they weren't from the kind of buyers they were hoping for.
1: I would say it was a mix of both temptation and um, complete frustration. I would say frustration came first and disappointment at who would be building and acquiring this space um, after we left.
2: Donia Cabello told me that they were getting offers from corporate retailers. She said they were getting offers from big housing developers who clearly had in mind tearing the place down and building something taller. At one point, Donia Cabello said that it was looking like they were going to have to sell to someone they didn't particularly want to.
1: There was a moment where it just didn't look like we were gonna have any other option. And it felt like, oh, this is how gentrification works. It suffocates us until we can no longer make a decision with clarity and kind of from our own volition. Um, but fortunately, we were able to, to get creative with the networks that we've have built over 40 years of being in this neighborhood.
2: And it was at that point that Danya made sort of a Hail Mary. At this time when Donya is trying to solicit a friendly buyer who the Cabeos are going to want to sell to, she had recently seen Black Panther, and that got her thinking about how to create a real-life Wakanda Institute in Oakland. So we know that at the end of the movie, the Wakandans create some kind of nonprofit in Oakland. I bought this building, and that building, That one over there, this will be the first Wakanda international outreach center. And she reached out through her network of artists and activists and people involved with social justice organizing, people involved with downtown Oakland nonprofits that she respected, and she just put the word out. And this is in 2018.
1: One of my dear, dear friends is the development director at Critical Resistance. And so when I put the call out to a group of people that I knew were kind of movers and shakers in downtown Oakland, um, asking if people had the capacity to kind of dream up something in collaboration to build here, she responded.
2: Critical Resistance is a prison abolitionist group. It was founded 20 years ago by activist scholars, including Angela Davis and Ruth Wilson Gilmore. And today, it is a small but really effectual activist organization that works to dismantle the infrastructure of the prison industrial complex. Critical Resistance's main
0: focus is finding a way to abolish prisons throughout the country. They don't want to just see prison reform. The organization's also been active in a lot of protests that make headlines in the Bay Area.
2: Locally, there's a lot of concrete examples of their work. They've, for example, participated in coalitions to oppose Urban Shield. Urban Shield is a law enforcement, weapons exposition and conference that critics say promotes a militarized warrior cop culture.
0: Well, uh, protesters are voicing their opposition to this urban shield law enforcement training exercise because
2: critical resistance, working with other organizations, police, successfully have, uh, agitated Oakland here, and then the Alameda County to cut ties with Urban Shield, to stop giving it public money.
0: You have 15 protesters who have all chained themselves together and chained themselves to the front gates here. Uh,
2: Another good example locally of Critical Resistance's work is the San Francisco County Jail at 850 Bryant Street. A few years ago, uh, San Francisco County Sheriff wanted to Basically, tear down the building and get a new jail. And the sheriff was lobbying the government to build him a new jail. Critical Resistance came in and was a part of the effort to stop that from happening. And this is really exciting because we did actually shift power and we changed their decisions and we actually stopped the jail, which is amazing. And it means that people. Critical Resistance has long been headquartered in Oakland. Oakland is where its national offices are and its Oakland chapter. It also has chapters in Portland, New York City, and Los Angeles, but its center of gravity is Oakland. And like a lot of downtown Oakland nonprofits, in recent years, the rent has been going up. So critical resistance found itself in a a sadly common situation where They had a lease with some gradual rent increases and an understanding that once that lease was up, they were going to be out of there.
0: When did the Cabellos hear from Critical Resistance, and how did that deal go down?
2: So the Cabellos connected with Critical Resistance early last year, and at that point, the organization had a supporter named Rachel Gelman, who was willing to commit a large sum of money to help the organization acquire property.
0: When the Cabellos heard uh, that critical resistance was interested, was it like a hands-down yes, of course? Like, this is what we were hoping for.
2: Absolutely. The Cabellos were really endeared to critical resistance's politics by their own experience of the US-backed coup in Chile. Uh, that experience instilled in the Cabellos uh, a sensitivity to abuses of power, um, a sensitivity to you know, arbitrary incarceration. And so they really wanted to take the opportunity to support the work of critical resistance.
1: You know, we have a very specific and unique immigration story, but a lot of it, you know, it it mirrors patterns of immigration around the world, of seeking refuge and literally just trying to stay alive. Um, And we see that here in Oakland, right on these streets, with, you know, not just with immigrant families, um, but with all people who are trying to keep their homes. We have tent cities, one block in every direction from Baby World that five years ago, weren't in existence, and these are full-on communities that people who are really living underneath freeways in completely subhuman conditions and are completely neglected by by our city.
0: I I just find it, I don't know, I find it weird how it's news that somebody chose to sell to somebody who would be good for the neighborhood rather than the most amount of money. We're so surprised. That that's possible in today's
2: climate, you know. The, this situation's unique in that I think the Cabellos got what their property's worth. I, I think they were they were happy with, you know, the three point three million dollar sales price. I don't think they had any illusions about the value in the real estate market of that corner, a corner storefront on Forty Fourth and Telegraph. But you're right that a story about a desirable piece of property um, changing hands in a way that was guided by ethics and politics and a sort of protective, nurturing interest in a neighborhood. The fact that that is, is news is really indicative of where we're at in Oakland right now.
0: Sam Lefebvre is a reporter with KQED Arts. Danya says she hopes that critical resistance being on that busy corner on Telegraph Street is going to force all the new neighbors and the people walking by to think about what their role is in solving some of the big problems, like the prison system, and then also the everyday stuff, like how do we help our neighbors who don't have shelter? Thanks to KQED's Brian Watt and Nina Thorson for interviewing Danya with Sam. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you Wednesday.